What's up, NBA fans? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. We are going to be breaking down all the trade deadline deals, and it did not disappoint. It was looking shaky there, um, but it came through in a big way, and we got a lot of awesome trades to break down for you guys. As always, I am joined by Juwan. What's up, Juwan? What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Uh, and uh, first timer to the show, uh, being a co-host with us is Luke. What's up, man? Hey guys, thank you so much for having me tonight. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for joining us. Um, but let's hop into it. We got a lot of stuff to break down, and and only two hours to do it, which seems like a lot of time, but <laughs> it's not as much as you think. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, we'll start with the uh, probably the biggest trade of the afternoon. Uh, the Cavs traded Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and their 2018 first rounder to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Um, I, I I have to say I wasn't like a huge fan of this trade um, when it was first announced, just because of fit. Like I was, I was just like, man, like I don't know where you're gonna make Clarkson your starting point guard. But as some of the other trades fell into place, it kind of, at least roster wise, started to make sense to me. Um, but what were your thoughts on this trade, Juwan? Um, I love this trade uh, for for Cleveland. Um, you know, in Lakers, it was a great trade for them because uh, I believe Fry, someone that they'll probably like let go pretty soon, if not probably the end of the year. Um, and Isaiah, who's a free agent, so it's pretty much expiring uh, contracts there. First but if deal. you're Cleveland, yeah. you got – right. So if you're Cleveland, you not only got younger, you got more athletic, and um, you have young guys. So no one's coming in there with an ego. Like Clarkson doesn't deserve to have an ego, neither does Lance. Really good players, um, but they haven't really done much to come in there and, and, and demand, uh, you know – the ball in the fourth quarter or, or things along, you know, the lines of that. And um, I, I heard someone else say this. So I don't want to make it sound like it's my good idea, but Rodney Hood has been putting up really, really, really good numbers. But because he plays in Utah, no one cares. And because there's a guy named Donovan Mitchell there now, really no one cares. Uh, about yeah, most the, the importantly really because there's Rodney a guy named Donovan up. Mitchell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, now he gets a, a bigger stage and a bigger platform to play for. And I think he's really going to rise to uh, to the occasion. I will say, if you're Cleveland, um, based on the fact that Boston wasn't really able to make the uh, the moves I was really hoping they would uh, make during the trade uh, deadline, I'd say uh, if you're Cleveland, you now should be the favorite to make it out of the East. I'm still not going to say they will because, you know, I've, I've found every possible team – uh, I've picked every possible team in the East to beat them, but um, you know you're now <laughs> yeah, obviously the clear favorite. Yes, you have. <laughs> I've definitely picked every team, um, but I will say this though: um, if the Cavs do make it to the finals with this new roster that they have, and it's literally a new roster, um, I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland wins two games—not the series, but two games. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could certainly see them them. Uh, putting themselves in a position given the, the, the right type of role players that they have surrounding LeBron. Like, obviously, you're not better than you were last year, but maybe maybe you're 
slightly better tailored to compete against um, mm-hmm. Golden State. I mean, it kind of goes back to what you and I have been saying. I believe we said last week, um, and uh, and you know, multiple times throughout the season, Boston's not necessarily a better team than Cleveland, but they are totally the best fit against uh, Golden State coming out of the East. Um, I mean, they right. they've proven that time and time again. So even though their Cleveland might might not be a, I would say definitively is not a better team because it's a star league without Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, they, they, I feel like they've at least righted the ship and this was kind of the first building block, uh, into doing that. Uh, Luke, what were your thoughts on the trade? Um, honestly, I thought it was a win for both teams. I mean, with Cleveland, you got rid of a very expiring contract with Channing Fry. Like I agree with you, they're probably going to let him walk during the summer. Isaiah Thomas was just not meshing well. I don't know if it was the injury, just a lot stacking up against Isaiah. And he's kind of like Kyrie. He doesn't really play well without the ball in his hand. And, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers are definitely LeBron's team. So you got to, you got to know if that fix. And then you go ahead and you get Cleveland just boost their bench by getting the second highest scorer in the league with Jordan Clarkson. So I think that's a huge win. Clarkson's kind of been, no one's really known that he can really score a lot of points playing in L.A. with a, a losing team, but he can actually go, go get you those buckets. And then Larry Nance is a big upgrade, too, you know. Now you've got a lot of wings, and that's what's going to take to beat uh, a team like Golden State. I know you guys have been talking up the Celtics, and they do have a really good team all around, but with this trade, especially the Cleveland got younger, they got more athletic, they lost one of the biggest defensive person the liability with Isaiah and now you put in Clarkson and Nance that you can switch around and they're young and they can come off the bench now for Lakers this is crazy because they've been trying to dish out some money for a while now everyone Mm -hmm. knows the big plan they want to go get two max contracts so they've been trying to get rid of that god-awful Luel Dang and some other contracts I know Randall was thrown out there Clarkson's always been thrown out there so they get a big win by trading out Clarkson and Nance, getting that money to now they have two max contracts. And crazy thing I've read is if they somehow get rid of Luel Deng's buyout over some years, some he maybe retires because, you know, he's just sitting there getting paid to watch basketball, which I wish that was me right now. Or <laughs> I was just gonna say, someone like to takes that, that contract. Someone takes that contract the Lakers could have close to $75 million to spend in this year's free agency. That could be mm-hmm. two matches and then one close to like 20 million. So that's, that's a, just a big one. I would never, I never thought that these two teams would, would help each other. And the crazy thing, if you think about it, the Cavs and the Lakers did this trade, but in the end, the Cavs could be helping the Lakers potentially take LeBron James away from them which I don't think is going to happen because there'd be no reason for LeBron to leave teams to a lesser qualified team. But it just think that these two teams possibly helped each other and could be again, helping each other in the summer, not really helping the Cavs, but well, I mean, Cavs got some, some backup stuff now in case LeBron does walk. So that's my take on that one. Real. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, kind of thought was interesting about a lot of these trades was the fact that, you know, this kind of, this one foot in, one foot out the door mentality that the Cavs have kind of been playing with uh, pretty much since 
they brought the trade to LeBron and said, we can get Bledsoe and Paul George if you'll commit. And he was like, no. And pretty much ever since then, it's it's been like, all right, well, if you won't commit to us, like, we'll do what we can, but, like, we're not going to risk our whole future um, if there's, you know, the possibility that you're just going to walk in the offseason. So, you know, a lot of these trades, uh, you know, they got three young players um, and we'll we'll get to the uh, the Rodney Hood trade next, um, but as far as this, my only uh, probably my only real gripe with this is I feel like you didn't have to give up a first round pick. As bad as the Lakers wanted to move um, Jordan Clarkson or Lou Aldang um, or Julius Randle for that matter. Um, I, I don't feel – I feel like that was a little bit of overkill, but I feel like they kind of made up for it with their – you know, with the, the next big trade that they pulled off. Um, but I, I, I still kind of maintain that. I feel like you could have gotten away with, like, maybe two future seconds. Um, I don't think you had to give them a first-rounder to make that work. Um, so, I – you know, I but as far as the, the use and the talent, um, the fact that they were able to move Isaiah Thomas, who just – was not working for that locker room. Um, you know, I, I can definitely get behind all that. Um, Juwan, do you, do you kind of see where I'm coming from? Do you think, do you think they had that? Like, if you're the Lakers, do you have to get that pick to make that deal? No, no, not at all. But I mean, as Luke was saying before, uh, your, your whole goal is to take um, LeBron away from Cleveland. So why not take a pick from them too? Like, just take as much as you can from them <laughs> on the way out. Just as, like, a, an extreme, you know, middle finger to, to, to them. But, no, I, they wanted to get rid of Clarkson. Um, so, I, I don't think Cavs had to do that. But it goes to show you that um, the Cavs still aren't from a spot of strength um, in the league as far right. as trades. Like, guys are still getting somewhat of the best of them. Um, so most of the time without the Cavs even really realizing it. And I, I will say this really quickly before you move on. Um, I know we'll probably get more into it, but I'm going to just speak very briefly on it. Uh, this trade is almost a killer to Isaiah um, getting that $200 million deal that he's pining yeah. for. Um, this is literally this – is, this is a killer. And what makes it the, the worst – He's 28, so this is the last possible chance he'll have yeah. at getting a max deal, and it won't be a max deal. I can almost promise you guys that. If it is a max deal, no, it won't be no. from any team that can contend uh, in the next year or two. I don't. Well, I honestly, I don't think it'll be even close to a max deal. Um, but Luke, what are your yeah. what are your thoughts on on Thomas's situation? Say, I mean, I do, I do agree with you that Isaiah getting traded might hurt, that he might not have this playoff run to do what he did with the Celtics last year and show they can. But I think this is actually a win for Isaiah. He's going to a team that has no direction. Lots of balls pretty much hurt. Now he gets to not really worry about are they going to win, are they going to lose, what is it. He can just show that, hey, you know what, I did have this injury. It did hold me back. It was really a bummer that I couldn't play this season. I got misdiagnosed, but I can still score the – score buckets at will and I think with him being on the Lakers and them being so thin so so young that Isaiah can now come in and like right now they have him coming off the the bench so he could be that Isaiah when he first got to the Celtics really scoring and then when he gets comfortable he can take so I do agree that it hurts him not getting that that playoff and and showing the, the rest of the league but he might get a little bit more minutes and now he gets the ball always in his hand with the Lakers 
And I don't think he'll get that Supermax, the Brinks truck backing up, but I think some team might go out there and be like, you know, we do need a person like Isaiah because he is an all-star, so. Right, but yeah, I, I and I, oh, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I was just gonna say I don't see any team that would do it. Like, I literally, not there. There's not a single Denver? team that I look at throughout the league. Denver? Is that what you said? Yeah, I said Denver. I mean, Denver. I could. They definitely have always need well, a point guard, and then their yeah, two Denver's, guys that they build around are are big guys. That yeah, that's true. But like, here's the thing with Denver. Like Denver just used up all their cap space. They just they signed mm-hmm. they signed Gary Harris to a long term extension, which will kick in next year. They got to sign Jokic to an extension because of something weird with his um, the fact that he was a draft and stash. Like if they wait until next season, he becomes an unrestricted free agent um, or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was because he's got two years left on his deal. But there's a reason why. Like, per one of those weird rules, they have to, like, in order to secure him, they have to give him that extension um, in in the offseason. So you're adding his money on top. They they just won't have the money. Um, but, like, there's so few teams that have cap space. Now, here's kind of the one weird thing is maybe he could get a really nice one-year deal from the Lakers, um, you know, mm-hmm. similar to what Caldwell Pope got. Um, but I don't see any team out there that has – I mean, if you look at the teams that have max, like, cap space or close to it, I mean, you're you're talking about the, the Bulls. I definitely don't see them doing it. They got a young team. Chris Dunn's finally getting – you know, starting to play well. I don't, I don't see them doing it. The Hawks, I definitely don't see the Hawks doing it. Like, they have Dennis Schroeder. Granted, you know, Schroeder's he's, – he's been – He's probably had his best season, but he's still like a huge defensive liability. But he's not as much of a defensive liability as Isaiah Thomas. Um, and he's still yeah, young. exactly. You, you 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 don't want to turn your back on him, uh, unless you're going to trade him, you know. Um, but uh, you know, so you got those two teams, and then you know maybe I see. I but like even the Kings, man, like they just freed up some cap space. But I mean, they, they've got De'Aaron Fox. So it's like there's so yeah. few teams. The only team that I can like really look at and say maybe that could work, like maybe they would do it, is Phoenix. Um, because but Phoenix, they did yeah. just yeah they did just get Alfred Payton, but they'll certainly have some cap space. Um, I mean but I don't I, even think you do it if you're Phoenix because every time Phoenix has been brought up in any sort of trade, it's like they don't fit our timetable. They're not young enough, you know. Uh, which I kind of think is a mistake. Um, I think their build a use movement just is proven that it takes way too long to be effective. But that's kind of been their mantra. Um, so I, mean, I, I don't see them. I don't see them changing that for Isaiah Thomas, especially when you would have a the kind of defensive backcourt that Isaiah Thomas and Devin Booker would provide you. Yeah, no defensive backcourt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, Juwan, my biggest ahead. thing. No, I was just going to say, my biggest thing with Isaiah Thomas is, uh, like I was just saying before, most of the teams that could go out and get him and, and pay, you know, reasonable dollars for him um, are teams that are that are kind of in these youth movements. And the, the stigma that's going around of Isaiah Thomas is, if you have a young core, you don't want to bring a guy like Isaiah Thomas in. He's not, he's not the best facilitator. He's looking to score. So he's not necessarily going to make your young players better. 
Um, so, you know, if you're trying to develop your young guys and, you know, you know that you're not making it to the playoffs or anything like that and you just want to see what these young guys can produce, you don't want to bring in a guy like Isaiah Thomas and overpay him. I mean, honestly, and this is a small sample to go off of, but it's something that most uh, teams are going off. Think about how horrible he looked in Cleveland. I know he was coming back off that injury. Maybe he came back a little bit too soon. He left Cleveland. Cleveland won a few games. He's, in, he's been in L.A. L.A. has lost their, you know, their few games since he's been there. So it's just a thing of, like, he turns the ball over a lot. He plays absolutely no defense. And the only way I see Isaiah, like, really going somewhere is, like Nick said before, a, a one-year deal next year. And I, I see him going to maybe a veteran team that needs that kind of scoring coming off the bench. I do not think if you're a young team, you want to bring in a guy like Isaiah Thomas. If he couldn't make things work with a bunch of veterans, you really don't want him walking into a locker room with your youth and taking a large percentage of shots away from your young guys so he can get off. So I I see Isaiah going to a veteran team. Which team? I have absolutely no idea. But he's going to have to get it through his head. I don't think he's going to get a max deal from anybody. I I I can't even think of a team who's in desperate need of a point guard that would even be desperate enough to to make a sign like that. I mean, I would joke around with you, Nick, and and Luke, and say the only team that would uh, pay Isaiah Thomas max dollars can't because they have no cap space. New York is the perfect place that would be stupid enough (laughs) to give Isaiah $200 million, um, (laughs) you know, and he looks this horrible. Thank goodness we don't have the cap space because that is a decision (laughs) I almost guarantee New York would be stupid enough to make. Yeah. Um, let me, let me, before we move on, just real quick, I just want to throw it around like one more time. If you had to ballpark what you think his, his salary is next year, just next year, whether it's a one year deal or it's longer or whatever, um, what's your best guess? I'm going to say $12 million. I don't think there's a team out there that's going to give him more than $12 million. Man. Jawan? Uh, I'm going to go. 16, and the reason I'm going 16 is um, depending on what team you are that, that you scoop him up, the guy can score. So if you yeah. have other defensive pieces that can kind of mask his weakness of not being able to play defense like Boston was, then he fits. But if you're a team that really doesn't have any other uh, good defensive players, he's only going to bring you down. He'll drop 30, but he'll give up like 90 to the opposing point guard. So, I mean, I do still think that if someone has something that can kind of mask um, his, you know, his weaknesses, then, yeah, $16 million is, is is about something that I think would be fair to pay somebody who can score that well. Sure. Okay. Uh, Man, has Isaiah Thomas fallen off the mountain for you guys? I mean, yeah. I do, well, I do I, I, I understand what no you guys are saying, but. Me. No, I, yeah, that's I do, the biggest and thing. This summer is going to be the stingiest. From what I've heard, this is going to be the stingiest uh, free yeah. agency signing, even for the restricted free agents are going to have told. But mm-hmm. I still think Isaiah does have capabilities, and I could see Lakers doing it. I could see him getting eighteen to twenty million one year, uh, one year straight. Second year, either team option, play option, but. Isaiah, you got to think, guys, there's still people that are way worse than Isaiah that have gotten paid. And those one-year, short-year deals that, like, yeah, they're, they're not, like, long, they're going to hurt you, but they can go short 
like short term kind of hurt you, I still think he's going to get somewhat a bit of money. So I'm going to put him, I still think Isaiah's got what it takes, and some teams will kind of see that, but he's not going to get the max. But I could see him getting an 18 to 20 million one year team option second year. I mean, awesome. I will say well, just really quickly, Nick. We will see Nick. who's right, and I'm going, to call, I'm going to call it right now, price is right rules. So if if y'all are over, y'all lose y'all, y'all immediately. <laughs> so if it's fifteen million dollars, I win. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I Jawan, say, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I will say really quickly to the point you just made, Luke, that uh, a lot worse guys have gotten bigger contracts. That's the biggest reason why someone won't want to pay overpay Isaiah because they've seen what overpaying guys does. It locks you up. It clogs you. And if their talent isn't as high as the amount that you paid them, you're not getting back, you know, your investment. So a lot of guys are going to look at Isaiah and go, do I want to pay him, like, you know, 20 to $30 million knowing that he plays absolutely no defense and, and you know, his turnovers are at an all-time high? Like, there's a lot that goes five, into seven. it. So I think – exactly. I think because the league has overpaid a lot of guys, that if you look at now, you're just like, wait, what? He got how much money? I think that's why the league is going to be a lot stingier, not only because they don't have the cap space, but because they don't want to spend money on guys like that, especially at his age, um, that have so many, uh, you know, glaring flaws uh, that Isaiah, you know, that Isaiah has. I'll throw out one, one, uh, one possibility where I think he could make 18 to 20. Um, if the Sixers strike out on everybody that they want, he could get an 18 to $20 million one-year deal with Philly. Because um, Fultz has looked bad. Um, putting look him bad. in that lineup putting him in that lineup would at least shield his defensive liabilities because of Ben Simmons. Uh, he's been a great defender, and he's got a ton of length. So does Robert Covington. So does Sarge. So does Embiid. So you're putting him around a bunch of people who have length. But the, the, still, the biggest problem with that is is if you're Isaiah Thomas, like, I'm sitting you down and I'm being like, bro, this is Ben Simmons' team. So don't come in here with any kind of bullshit like, like ah, I want the ball, blah, 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 blah. Like, we'll get you the ball some. Like, look at, look at Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Like, go watch C.J. McCollum's game. That's who we want you to be as far as offensively. Like, you can't have the ball all the time. Like, we want the ball in Ben Simmons' hand primarily, but if you look at Dame and CJ, like CJ still gets the ball a lot. So we just got to make you know that you know clear from the get-go. But for a team that you know is teetering on making the playoffs this year, and certainly that's that's their goal for the future, they'll have substantial cap space. Um, if they strike out on on you know all of the all of the big names, I could see them going one year on that. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's them and the Lakers. That's, that's about it. So, but I do think it would be smart for him to take a one year deal, take a one year deal, try to prove yourself and then, you know, try to get a, a better deal once some cap room opens up in 2019, but we shall see. Yep. Uh, but let's move on. The, the Cavs received George Hill and Rodney hood. Uh, the Jazz received Jay Crowder, Derrick Rose, and swap rights to Cleveland's 2024 second rounder. Uh, Derrick Rose has since been cut. The Kings received Amon Shumpert, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson rather, and Miami's 2020 second rounder, 
Uh, Johnson has since been cut and I believe recently joined Houston. Um, I'm not sure if that has been confirmed yet or not. That Maybe is, one of y'all can let me know. correct, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, uh, as far as this trade, uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Jawan, as far as the Cavs are concerned? Um, <clears throat> really good pickup. Like I said before, Rodney Hood is definitely someone who can score the basketball and, and shoot the three ball really well, which is what LeBron needs. Um, and, and George Hill is someone who's a veteran. Um, you know, he, he's not looking to really cause much, you know, much of a fuss. He's just looking to win a title. <laughs> that is literally all that George Hill is looking to do at this point. Uh, from going from so many different teams, he's just looking to, to, to try to uh, go for a chip. Um, so I think that's really good for, uh, for Cleveland getting those two players that they desperately needed. Rodney Hood helps them out so much, especially when you go through those moments with Jr. when he is so inconsistent. It's really good to have a guy like Rodney Hood that you can have step in and, and replace Jr. Yeah, and it's funny that Jr. has been playing so much better um, since the trade. He's like, oh shit, we got Rodney sees, Hood. I got to step my game up. He sees up, the writing <laughs> on the wall. Exactly. He sees yeah, he the writing does. on the wall. Well, and the only reason he wasn't traded was because no one would take him. No one wanted that contract. No. So, um, but he, he's stepping up. He's, he's maybe maybe he's been pulling a long con, and Jarrett Smith was just like, "I'm gonna suck until after the trade deadline, and then I'm gonna flip that switch <laughs> because that way I won't get traded." <laughs> I, I mean, I don't let's, know. let's not forget conspiracy theory. Let's like, not forget Illuminati confirmed. I don't know. No, I mean, I don't think you're far off from that. Let's not forget New York had to force him, I mean, force Cleveland to take him. Because Cleveland only wanted Trump, right. remember? Right, that's, that's right. And Knicks, yeah. were like, yeah. Knicks were like, no, 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 no. You only can get Schumpert if you take this garbage named JR. And Cleveland was like, all right, well, whatever. So that might have been the same kind of thing here. So where teams were just like, yeah, we don't, we don't want JR. <laughs> and they couldn't find anywhere to send him. <laughs> Yeah, who knows, man. Uh, Luke, what were your thoughts on this trade for the Cavs? Oh, man, as much as I hate to say it, this is a, this is a home run hit for them. They got, like you said, Ronnie Hood, who, who, who can score, and not a lot of people know about it. I mean, Jazz have been a good team, but not a lot of people pay attention to them. But now Hood gets to join a team. He basically gets to free roam the court, stand in open threes. I mean, if you watch him against the Celtics, he hit three, just wide open three. So Ronnie Hood's going to – flourish and especially like you guys are saying about J.R. Smith he's just too streaky of a scorer he can be there some games and he, it can be going in and then sometimes it's like where's J.R. Smith so that's great that you lose Amon who's supposed to back him up and D-Wade who wasn't really kind of fitting in and now you get a kid and, and Hood who's young who probably definitely wants to be there who who's probably so glad he gets to play with LeBron James the best player in the world so he's going to do whatever it takes so that's great and then you get George Hill who, like, Juwan, I heard you say he's been with team to team, but if you think about it, George Hill's been on some of the greatest, like, some good veteran teams. He, he was with, started with Spurs, then he went to Indiana, was there when they were trying to make that playoff run, then he went to, to Utah. Mm-hmm. So George Hill's that perfect point guard to play with LeBron. He's one that doesn't need the ball to be effective. He's a lot taller. He's 6'3". He can actually play defense. He's really effective. He can help out So. He's almost, I keep on calling to some of my friends, a puppet point guard for LeBron. That's what LeBron needed is just a guy that he can be very effective <laughs> like without that. the ball. 
because it's LeBron's team, and not a lot of people know that, and it's hard to come like come in and just play with them. And you see Kyrie couldn't match after a while, and then IT. So I think George Hill is in a perfect situation. The Cavs just got way better now. If you look with the whole total trades that they did, the four, their, their average age of the all four of them coming in is 27 years old. So that's just big for a youth movement from the oldest team. Now you bring all these guys in. So you get really young. They're all super athletic wings now. So now you can do a, a very small, like the basketball today, is just how many wings can you have that can play different positions so you can switch all four of those out. And they've looked good so far. I mean, against the Celtics, I think they all combined for 49 points. So I, it's just it's hard to say, but this is a home run for the Cavs. If you lose LeBron long-term, you still have some youth. But I think right now you have enough to show Cleveland's always – done trades to show LeBron that were committed, and they just did the biggest. I've never seen a team flip like this in midseason, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's great. And they've definitely showed LeBron, we will do whatever it takes to get you to re-sign. Short of giving up that Brooklyn pick. <laughs> yeah, oh, they were not going to get. They were but, not going to give but, up that one. That was their one contingency. Not giving that away. So. Yeah, well, and I get it, but and two, like the the other thing is like. Where was there was there really a trade out there that was worth giving up the Brooklyn pick? That you know, like maybe they would have done it if they had found. Like I threw out a couple weeks ago, like you maybe you could package something to get Damian Lillard for the Brooklyn pick um, with some other valuable pieces. Um, I think my most recent idea was send them uh, Kevin Love um, and swap rights to the Brooklyn pick in exchange for for Damian Lillard, um, something along those lines. Uh, but I don't think that trade was out there. They, like the Blazers have no interest in in trading. From all reports, have no interest in trading Lillard or McCollum um, at this time, anyway. And you know, like, is it really worth it to get Kimball Walker? Uh, maybe I don't know. Like, that's that's a tough one. That's that's. Um, I, I honestly think uh, George Hill fits them better than Kimball Walker would. Um, he's not as good as Kimba, but he fits their team better. So, you know, and you, you got him for, you know, almost nothing. I mean, you gave up you gave up a second rounder, swap rights for a second rounder. Jay Crowder, who was by all, like, from outside looking in, you know, type situations, not looking out. I mean, it, it, man, when he dogged Kevin Love, I was like, yeah, this 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 probably ain't gonna work out. Um, and uh, and then you know Amon Shumpert, who you know has barely even played this year. So like, yeah, I mean, I think all in all, I think it was um, it, you know, given what they were giving up, was definitely a worthy trade. The only concern is is that you know if you know you're 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 paying. You're you're paying. You, I mean, first of all, you're you're acquiring an expiring contract in Rodney Hood, so you're going to have to make the decision as to whether you want to pay him next year. Um, but as we've said earlier in the show, like the um, the not a lot of cap space out there, so maybe not a lot of teams will be interested in Rodney Hood. It will, you know, no big offer will come along his table, um, and you can get him for eight, ten million dollars a season. Like that wouldn't be that bad. Um, and then as far as George Hill. Uh, his third year, so he's in his first year right now. Next year, he's going to make, I believe, $19 million. Um, the year after that, 
they can buy him out for a million dollars. He's only got a million dollars guaranteed in his last year. So, like, it it, it does it does hurt you financially as far as luxury tax. Um, but Dan Gilbert, I mean, it, it, say what you want about Dan Gilbert. He has proven time and time again he will pay luxury tax dollars, and, and like, the numbers don't really bother him. Um, so... And, you know, he did it again. So, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you guys. I mean, George Hill's definitely old. He's having the worst season of his career, but he was just a terrible fit for Sacramento. Luke, as you mentioned, like when he played on good quality teams, he was terrific. He's such a good piece to good teams. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think uh, I think they did did very well in this trade. This was definitely my, my favorite um, of their three deals. Um, but uh, let's let's get into the Utah Jazz. So essentially, the the Jazz give up um, uh, Joe Johnson, who is on an expiring contract and, and not very happy. Rodney Hood, and they get back Jay Crowder, who signed to a very economical contract for the next two seasons after this one. Um, what are your thoughts on you know the Jazz uh, in this in this whole transaction, Joan? Um, I like it. Uh, Jay Crowder definitely from <clears throat> the the games that he's played with them looks like he's a great fit for them. Um, he's allowed to be kind of somewhat what he was in Boston. Uh, Cleveland just it it wasn't a right fit for him. Um, and, and Cleveland's that one of those or one of those kind of organizations that's just it's not where you send just everybody. Um, LeBron needs specific certain players, and he just, you know, unfortunately didn't fit for what Cleveland needed. But he seems like he does uh, in in Utah, and I really think that's a really good pickup for them. Um, he can score the ball, obviously not, you know, uh, he's not going to get you 30 a game, but he can definitely help out on the offensive end. And he can play defense, albeit didn't seem like he could in Cleveland. He can play defense. Um and he can kind of help that team to make that uh, that playoff push. So, you know, he's definitely a good pickup for them. Uh, they got rid of Rodney Hood, who, it you know, they definitely weren't going to pay. Um, Joe Johnson, you know, wasn't happy with his role. I don't really see uh, – I, I see Houston him, – him in Houston, it helps him because, you know, he's on a team that can contend, but I don't see his role being that much larger in Houston than it is in uh, – than it was in Utah, but – Whatever, I could definitely be wrong in that. Uh, but, yeah, I, and letting go of Derrick Rose, I believe you said they, they released Derrick Rose. That's good. You don't really need him. Um, Utah definitely uh, ended up where they should be um, with, you know, that, that pickup of Jay Crowder. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much on par with you there. Um, slight, maybe slightly different reasoning, but um, but I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Luke, what were your thoughts on the deal for the Jazz? I was going to agree with John and just that this is a win for the Jazz and Crowder. Crowder gets to go to a situation that it's like he needed a structural system like Boston was. And, and Quinn Snyder is a good coach. Nothing against Luol, but, I mean, the Cavs coach, but he's just not the greatest coach. And they don't really have a system that's like he. And now Crowder gets to go back to a system. He gets to focus more on his 3 and D. And like you said, Nick, he is on probably the most friendly contract ever right mm-hmm. now in NBA for that three more, I mean, two more years at $8 million. So I think it's going to be good for both teams. The Jazz, you don't really get 
those types of – I mean, not saying Crowder's a great player, but you, Utah doesn't have people always coming in free agency. So now they got someone that they, they can do something with the 3 and D, and Crowder gets to redo himself, go find a team that has a good system, good Quinn Snyder, good coaching, and just come back and show that he can play back to the level that hopefully that he was at Boston where he's a lockdown defender – and shoots three. And then who knows? I mean, if he shows his value again, Utah has probably one of the best trading pieces if they want to go out and trade him. I mean, not saying that's going to happen, but, I mean, you do have a great trade piece if Crowder can start to show himself again. So I think it's a win for, for both of them, both sides, and I think it will work out pretty well. Yeah, and, and I was, I'm was i pretty much going to echo the same thing that you guys were, were throwing out there. Um, I, my biggest thing the reason why I think it was a win, Juwan, you mentioned they weren't going to pay Rodney Hood. Um, and, and, you know, m- maybe they would have, but I, I tend to agree with you. Like, um, you've seen, like, we've seen a lot of moves at this trade deadline that were very reflective of teams who did not want to enter restricted free agency. Um, it, it, they, they were at, at, at least a little trepidatious about doing so with guys that they didn't really love. Um, I mean, we saw it with Alfred Payton in, in Orlando. So uh, that, and if you, if you like look at their lineup, they were so clearly in desperate need of a guy who could like reliably play the four for the next couple seasons. Derek Favors is about to come off your books. He makes more sense as a backup five anyway. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. Um, I'm sure they were trying to see if they could work him into any deals um, at the deadline, but probably just didn't have any takers. Um, you know, you, you, you have, at, at the very least, I mean, obviously we know you have Donovan Mitchell, who has just been sick. Um, and obviously should be your your starting shooting guard. Um, but n- next season, you've got Alec Burks in the last year of his contract. I think you're hoping that, you know, he, he's he been kind of a disappointment, but, you know, maybe going into his contract year, he, he plays a little better as your, as your kind of backup um, combo guard. You have Ricky Rubio. Uh, you have Joe Ingles, uh, who you just signed to a long-term deal. Um, m- mind you, a descending deal. Um, he's making about $14 million this year, if I'm like 13 next year, about 12 the year after, and then about 11 the year after that. So that was that was a smart signing for them, uh, the way they constructed that um, that deal. Um, so, I mean, obviously he's your starting at three. You have Tabo Cephalosha, who's still in the lineup next year, as kind of your backup three. Um, but as far as the four, I mean, they had Jonas Drebko. Like, n- no offense to Jonas, but – there was a reason you were like the ninth or tenth man on the Celtics last year, and you know uh, uh, Jay Crowder was in the starting lineup. So like they they just made a huge upgrade at a positional need with a guy who is signed on to such an economical contract the next couple of years. Um, and then of course you got Gobert at the five, and then. I mean, I, I assume they're probably going to want to see what they can get out of Tony Bradley in the next couple seasons. I mean, they they um, kind of packaged um, their uh, number 30 overall pick and the number 42 overall pick to move up to get him from the Lakers. Um, I assume they maybe thought that San Antonio was going to shice them. Um, 
so, I mean, obviously they want to see what they can get out of him, and they still have Udo signed for, for next season. So it just positionally, it made so much sense to me. And now that they don't have any, like, major expiring contracts that they have to bring back, because I don't think they're going to re-sign Dante Exum either. I mean, he's just he hasn't played that well when he has been on the court, and he's a guy who relies on, you know, athleticism, and he had a career in or career season-ending injury at the beginning of of the season, um, but they're slotted at about ninety million dollars, which means you know they they should have a little bit of money, a little bit of spending money. Obviously, um, you know whatever draft picks they get um, to come in, you know, and where those draft picks are, that'll bring with it a cap hold. Um, but maybe they'll have like $5 million in cap space, depending on how high the cap goes up, maybe seven or eight. Um, so that's not bad. Like that's, that's uh, you can sign a reasonably good player, especially in a thin market um, to kind of bolster your squad and go from there. And, you know, you've heavily reduced your um, salary burdens in the years to come. And that is such an important thing for a team that plays in Utah to do. Like, it was one thing when you when you thought you were going to be able to re-sign Gordon Hayward. Like, sure, like, go way over the salary cap to do that. But if if you're not going to be able to do that, you need to get your ass back down to the salary floor or at least close to it. Like, you don't want to be spending all that money. Um, so, like, just a very strategic move in my mind. I, I thought it was uh, – I, just like y'all, I thought it was a, a great uh, move for all of the reasons that we mentioned. Um, so uh, moving on real quickly, we'll just we'll just uh, quickly gloss over the Kings in this deal. Um, essentially, the Kings uh, free up about nine million dollars next season in cap space, um, so they can you know by by not having to pay George Hill the nineteen million dollars, maybe it's more about eight actually. Um, Makes sense. Uh, George Hill wasn't working out on that team. He wasn't happy there. You want to see what you got out of your your young point guard, De'Aaron Fox, um, and you free up a little bit of cap. Again, it, it, it's mostly just a deal to you know free up free up cap space because again, if you're Sacramento, you don't want to be paying cap dollars that aren't getting you wins. Um, Jawan, do you see it the same way, or do you have a different take on it? No, I, I see it. that's exactly uh, the route I was going to go. I see it the exact way. It's just to kind of clear some of the, uh, the the dollars up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Luke, what about you? Oh, I agree with the guys that it's definitely the dollars. And you got to also think about, too, Sacramento just, I mean, not saying that they're a good team, but this just put them in full tank mode. And this is the last year that the draft is stacked up where tanking teams can get top picks. And you got to look. Yeah. Sacramento doesn't own its pick in 2019. So if they're going to be bad, they got to yeah. be bad right now with this top mm-hmm. draft class. George Hill was just not the vet to help these, these kids out learn. So that was good getting rid of him. And so I think it helps out with money wise and just the Kings being able to be in that top three pick and go after a guy like Luka Donick who can come in there, who can play with Fox. He can play at the two and, so I think this helps out their chances of full tank mode one last year, and let's get as let's try to get in the top three and draft one of these top kids that are coming out of this draft class. So I think it it was good for the money cap and for just tanking 
situations for them. Yeah, absolutely, but, like, back of off my boy. Like, Luka Doncic is going to be an Atlanta <laughs> Hawk. Like, <laughs> Juwan knows this. Joel knows this. Everybody knows this. I've heard this. you preach like, this. Yep. <laughs> I, He's well, going to be heavily sought after, and I think he'll – I mean, he'd oh, be great yeah. for Atlanta, but he would be really good for Sacramento. I mean, a lot of these teams are going to be I looking think, at this kid like he's going to be good. Think, I I like Michael Porter more for, for Sacramento just because I, I feel like – Justin Jackson is at best like an eighth or ninth on a roster. Um, and like, I, I, I think that like Luca could play the three, but like I would prefer to see him at, at the two or maybe even the one. Um, like, but de- I, I think the three would be stretching it as far as trying to guard other threes in the league. Like, I think that would, that would highlight, more of his athletic weaknesses than trying to guard ones and twos um, just because at least he would have the length over them. Um, but if you're trying to guard KD, you, you don't even have the length, um, but he certainly could do it. And like, I mean, I don't think, I don't think any team like regardless of positional need should, should overlook Luka Doncic because the guy is a straight baller. Um, and if we don't get him, I'll be, I'll, uh, my my contingency plan is DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is oh, yeah. such a deep draft. Oh, yeah. So like there there's a ton of people. Um, but like but yeah, that my my contingency plan is is definitely DeAndre Ayton. Just trying to pair him with John Collins, I think could work out because because Ayton can hit. He's he's shown that he he can develop uh good range, which I think would pair well with Collins. But this is not a Hawks. Thing, I will I will stop myself before I just I lose all control. Um, but I do like that insight. Like that's that's the exact type of answer that I should have given, but I didn't, and you did, so I like it. Um, the uh, let's move on. In fact, uh, sorry guys, we are going to talk a little bit about the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks traded Luke Babbitt to the Heat for Akara White and acquired Sheldon Mack uh, and Cash from the Wizards. God damn it! Like Hawks, that's that's all you got, man. Like we had so many names being floated around, like on the trading block. We wanted to acquire a few draft picks. I wasn't thinking anything big, maybe a second rounder or two. Um, but you know, we weren't able to trade Bellinelli. He gets cut. Now he's on the Sixers. The Sixers wanted him in the first place, um, and you know, like I, I don't know. I'm I'm very upset that uh, that the Hawks really, really didn't do anything uh, because, you know, what I just listed is, is pretty much nothing. Luke Babbitt wasn't playing. We cut Akara White. We cut Sheldon Mack. So, basically, we traded Luke Babbitt to get a little bit of cap relief for this season only. Um, and then, you know, we trade uh, acquired Sheldon Mack and presumably more cash from the Wizards than what Sheldon Mack's contract was worth. Um you know what? I, I, if 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 either one of y'all feel like responding, you can. But I just had to get that in the show because I'm I'm very upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I kind of figured. That. Luke, anything? <laughs> oh, I mean, again, I mean, this is just uh, I. It's disappointing that the Hawks weren't able to do something. I mean, like I agree with you. I mean, Bellinelli's floated out there. I mean, there a lot of these teams are holding on to these guys and thinking they're going to get these first rounders, and 
And first-rounders are just not giving out any, any time these. But no. you could have at least gotten something for Bellinelli, a couple second-rounders, or maybe um, even uh, – What's the the center for you guys? Ilyasova, Dwayne Dwayne Dedman. Ilyasova actually traded. See, and and that was my thing. That was my thing. Like, Ilyasova had, like, some weird clause, early bird rights clause in his contract where he could veto trades, similar to Nikola Miritich. Um, So I understand, like, we, from what I heard, we had a couple deals lined up that the other team had committed to, but but Ilyasova vetoed the trades, um, too, as I recall from the report, um, which is fine. If you give him that right, he has every right to do that. The dude is tired of moving. I mean, he, like last year, he started his season off in Orlando. Then he got traded to OKC. Then he got traded to Philly. And then he got traded to Atlanta. That dude just doesn't want to move anymore, and I don't blame him. Like, I, he's like, I don't care if I'm on the worst team in the league. At least I know where I'm living, like – so, like, that's totally fine. I get it. But my thing was the Sixers were interested in both Dwayne Dedman and Marco Bellinelli. You mean to tell me we couldn't package Marco and Dwayne Dedman to Philadelphia, a team that has, like, 15 second-round picks in the near future, like the next, like, three or four drafts um, in, in exchange and take back Amir Johnson? Like Amir Johnson has has totally been overshadowed uh, overshadowed by Trevor Booker since he got there, um, and and Dwayne Dedman is just better than him, uh, and you get Marco Bellinelli, so like we couldn't get a couple picks out of that. Like, and the Hawks' response apparently is that um, all of the trades that uh, were presented, they wanted us to take back cap space, and I find that hard to believe that you couldn't have figured out that kind of trade with the Sixers. And essentially the only difference would be we would have Amir Johnson on our team instead of Dwayne Dedman, and we'd lose three extra games, which is good for us, and have maybe at the very least an additional second-round pick, you know, uh, and they have some good second-round picks. They have Brooklyn's second-round pick this year. They have Sacramento's second-round pick next year. Like, give me one of those, and I would make that deal. Like, I, I think the Hawks were way too stingy, and uh, it just it sucks. And like it really sucks. I I just find it, I I don't buy the notion that the only deals that were out there were requiring us to give up um, or to take back long term salary. I just I don't I don't think that's um, eh, it's a little disingenuous if you ask me. But <laughs> nevertheless, um, I will I will cease my ranting on the Hawks. For the time being, uh, hey, let's move on to another though? team. Yes, oh. please do. I was just going to say, but this is good for the Hawks to again. You got to be in full tank mode. If you're going for the bottom, you got to be at the bottom. And there's a lot of random teams that should not be floating down there: Memphis and Dallas that we weren't thinking were going to be this year. So I think this helps out, even though they weren't key changing players for the Hawks, but. Try to trade just as much thing and get away with as much so you can be in that top three pick. You need to be picking high if you're in full tank mode. And the Hawks do this year, they have three first-round picks, and it would have been nice if they were to get a couple of second-rounders, like you're saying, and now you get the package, a couple second-rounders, your late first-round picks you get, and now we can maybe be have two top picks in the top ten. So, But I think it, it, it helps out the Hawks in the we got to be full tank and we got to be in the bottom three. So that's, that was going to be my only added into it that 
the Hawks at least trade more players, didn't get something that's going to help them win, and they can be closer to that prize of the top three. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot, you know, it's funny because a lot of Hawks fans that I that I know um, like to kind of throw out like, you know, it, it, it's it's not that often that the team with the worst record gets the number one overall pick. But that while that's true, because you only have a twenty five percent chance this year, as you mentioned with draft reform, that your odds are going way down next year. I think it's fourteen percent for the three worst records. Um, but uh, that's true. I mean. Only, I mean, you're statistically only you're only going to see it one out of every four seasons because you only have a 25% chance. But the next team only has 20, and the next team only has slightly better than 15. Plus, if you have the worst record in the NBA, you are guaranteed not to slide beneath fourth. Like, so even if you 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 miss out on the top three, you at least get the fourth overall pick. Like, my thing is this: I don't want to be stuck with you know, Mo Bamba being the best player available and like being like, well, I guess we take him because he's the best player available yet. You know, like he would pair terribly with John Collins and neither one can space the floor. So, um, yeah, like we, we, uh, we definitely need to tank. Like that is, that is, that is key. And, and this is like the last, like, this is like the last year where like you're really your odds are really good if you're one of the worst teams in the league. I hate draft reform. <laughs> I really do. Um but anyway, uh that was a topic for another previous day. Um Joel loved it though. Uh Jawan, I don't even remember what you thought about it. I think you were rather <laughs> indifferent. <laughs> um yeah. but anyway. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, rant, rant ceases. Uh, but let's talk about another team who probably overvalued their assets. Uh, the Grizzlies were not able to trade Tyreek Evans, reportedly because they only wanted a first-round pick for him and refused to listen to offers on Mark Gasol. What are your thoughts on these two things, Joan? Um, I thought it was rather interesting. Um, maybe... They didn't want to get rid of Marcus Saul because you know he's a homer, kind of you know quite like Dirk. Um, but um, I thought it was really interesting that uh, they have Tyreek Evans, right? Yeah, they kept. Yes. Him. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was rather interesting that they didn't um, strike a deal with Boston, uh, who has like an un like an un- an insane amount of assets that they could have. Uh, Worked in. Uh, I think Luke, you brought this up before. I think a lot of teams were um, depending on teams being stupider and just shelling out first round picks. <laughs> I think guys have really learned from um, Brooklyn all those years ago that you kind of have to value your your number one picks uh, when you have them. Um, so you know, no one was going to shell out number one picks for uh, for, for Tyreek Evans. Um, I think Boston could have made a, a really uh, favorable deal for Memphis that they could have worked out to get Tyreek Evans that it, they look like they desperately need right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm kind of shocked that Tyreek Evans is still a Grizzly. Not so much Marcus Gasol because it seems like he's going to retire a, uh, a Memphis Grizzly. Um, so I, I don't see him 
leaving there. If he didn't by this trade deadline, he's just not. Yeah, well, and Fisdale pretty much got fired because he couldn't get along with Marcus All. So, um, right. at least if you if you believe the the, the reports yeah, that so were released say. after his firing. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I, I feel like it's just interesting to me that, like, it's not that you didn't trade Marcus All. um, it's just that you, you refuse to even hear offers, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, bro, he ain't Dirk Nowitzki, he never won you a championship, like, I get it for a guy like Dirk, if you're Dallas, like, he won you your first championship. What the hell is going on in Area 21 right now? <laughs> I don't know if y'all are watching this. this is some <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. Shit. Only Lord knows. <laughs> Only Lord knows. Um, but uh, but anyway, like it, it's just not the same caliber of player to me. Like, um, there, there's no, certain lines meant... that have to be drawn, and it would have to be a great deal, but for me to for me to take it. But like, I don't know, man. I would at least. I would at least hear offers. No, I, I agree with you. No, I agree with you. They should have heard offers. When I said he reminds me of the Dirk situation, I just meant as far as that is like your longest standing Memphis Grizzly uh, since Zach Randolph left. So it's like, you know, the the city still shows up. You know, people still show up to come see Marcus All, even though outside of Marcus All, there's not really that much Memphis, is, uh, Memphis has to offer. So he's still putting butts in seats. So I could understand that, you know, they, they kind of talk to him and he kind of just wants to stay there till he retires. I agree with you. They should have at least heard. Uh, and I really have no idea what's going on Area 21. I'm sorry. Um, they really should have uh, <laughs> yeah, listened to <laughs> maybe some some offer to see if someone had something that was just too good to, to pass up on. But I, like I said before, I definitely see him just retiring a Memphis Grizzly. Yeah, I mean you're probably right, um, Luke. What were your thoughts on uh, you know Tyreek and 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 Gasol? Man, I have a lot. Okay, so this is the biggest head scratcher. The Memphis Grizzlies should be happy. There's teams out there like Phoenix because they are probably one of the worst or run organizations right now. I've read that their asking price was not just a first rounder because I think the Boston Celtics could have gave up their their first rounder and some number twenty nine pick. You know, yeah, you know, the contending teams. No, I heard they wanted their Memphis pick back. They wanted, like, high first-round pick for a guy who's in a in a contract. Bro, you ain't you getting don't that have Memphis bird rights pick back. To him. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have bird rights to Tyreek, so it's not right. like they get to be the first team to talk to him during signing. He gets to just go out and be a free agent, so it's not like he's on that. So I just think they, they're just, once again, I don't know what they're doing in Memphis. They're... They're at the bottom of the team right now. They're are they rebuilding? And then, like you said, not even going to listen to Marcus. All I agree with you guys. He should stay. You know, there there are some pieces with the Conley being injured and Chandler Parsons robbing them for all their money and still being injured. So there <laughs> there is something that they can do out there. But I just can't believe they didn't even listen. I mean, now 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 that I was listening to you guys, here's one thing that I they could have maybe done. What if you this could be a, a pick that Cleveland trades to Brooklyn, maybe. You give Marcus All and Tyreek Evans now, but you've got to take back Tristan Thompson, um, a horrible either Amon Shepard or Jared Smith, and now you're getting the Brooklyn pick. But now you're full into 
you're already one of the lowest pick teams, so you're going to get that low your draft pick. Now you're going to have Brooklyn, and then you still have a Conley that you can maybe he could be that point guard that helps some teams out. But just Memphis over there, just not knowing what they're doing. Poor Fisdale got fired for my, for no reason. It is funny. I do agree with you that I think it was because he couldn't get along with Gasol. But you know the reports are that it wasn't that. But in in the end, that. They're, the person that should have been fired was their GM. I don't believe their GM has any clue where they're going structurally, if they want to be committed to the rebuild and rebuild this team, or they're in a West division that is very hard, so they're at, they're not even in the middle of the pack of the playoffs. They're at best at fighting for an eighth seed. So in my mind, it's just a big head-scratcher. What is Memphis doing? Marcus Hall, is he content with just being – content with never being that team four years ago where you had Zach Randolph and all that because they're not returning to those glory days. And I just think that this is the year that Memphis could have maybe done something and just committed to we're blowing things up. We got to rebuild. Let's try to get – we have some bad contracts and we need to try to get them off. But they did nothing. And now I hear reports that not only did they not trade Tyreek Evans, but they're willing to re-sign him for three more years, and they're talking about re-signing him. So it's just like the little dang, is the guy going to be traded? But no, we really value him, and we're going to re-sign him again. And so it's just a big head-scratcher. I don't know what Memphis is doing. And I just think that this is the Memphis should have done something, got a little bit of something out of it, and they're just were. They wanted King's ransoms probably for everything, and they should have just been realistic and got the best thing that they could. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. Um, well, but first, before actually, let me let me say this first. That's a super interesting trade. I would say this. I would say uh, J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson in the Brooklyn pick for Tyreek Evans, Marcus All, and Jamichael Green. Um, I. I think that trade would work. It's, you're swapping about $34 million for 30 so that, that should be fine as far as taxes are concerned, as far as um, the salaries are concerned. Um, and, you, I mean, like, that, that's the thing. Like, I don't understand these, like, really, really, really shitty teams who are like, we don't want to take that cap money. You're already over the cap, bro. Like, I mean, if you're Memphis – you are $11.4 million over the cap with no end in sight. So, like, I don't, I don't understand why you don't want to take bad contracts. Mike Conley signed on for four, year, four more years. Chandler Parsons has signed on for three more years. You're in the purgatory anyway. So, like, taking on Tristan's three years and JR's, well, really more two years because he's got the $3.87 million buyout in his last year. Just makes so much sense. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, that, that's actually a, a really good trade. I kind of like that. Um, and, they, and they still could have done the other deals that they did and still made this work if they uh, uh, negotiated something out with Atlanta to move um, for them to move their first round top ten protected pick back to 2020, they have enough young. Uh, they have Ante Zizic and and uh, Jetty Osman. Uh, they could have pulled that off. Um, but nevertheless, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Um, you got to listen to offers on Marcus Hall. You suck. You're utterly idiotic for, for thinking that you, you are going to get your own pick back. Um, especially seeing as, as it, it's not one of those fake first round picks that, you know, eventually turns into two second rounders. Like, no, eventually, no matter what, that's going to be a first round pick. Um, so Boston's definitely not giving that up. Um, yeah, you, you, either you take the Boston pick or you take, uh, you know, a couple, maybe three, maybe push Philly for like three of those really valuable second rounders because they were obviously interested as well as it pertains to Tyreek Evans. And then Marcus saw, I mean, I threw out several trades earlier in the year. Um, I still think he would be a great piece for Toronto. Um just because he would be such an upgrade from, from Jonas Valanciunas. Um, and they don't have their draft pick next year, but they have a ton of, like, young assets. They have uh, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, um, uh, DeLon Wright, um, uh, Fred Van Vliet, uh, who is probably my favorite uh, name to say of an NBA player. Fred Van Vliet, I love it. Um, like that's going to put asses in seats. Like what kind of name like that? Like you got to be kidding me. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I just think there's, there, there were probably three suitable trades out there for Mark Gasol. That they just didn't even hear out. And I don't know. It, it, as, as mad as I am at the Hawks, like, because it's my team, I, I would be even madder if I was a Grizzlies fan, because like the thing with the Hawks is, the Hawks don't really have great assets. They just have, like, okay things, okay pieces. Like, if you're Memphis, your record is terrible. You can't trade Mike Conley because his contract's egregious. But you could definitely trade Marcus Gasol. Jamichael Green is another player that you could trade. Obviously, Tyreek Evans. Um, the, all of those are, like, very solid assets. Um, and, and all you were able to do is, is move Ennis – for Bryce Johnson in a future second rounder, like that's oh, that's terrible. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't know. I I I guess I tend to agree with you, Luke. Their their GM he, he needs to go. Like that's that's not a that's just not a situation that that I I see him being long term in. Uh, but. You know, we'll 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 see how that plays out. Uh, but moving on, let's move on to Juwan's team. Juwan, the Knicks received Emmanuel Moutier, the Nuggets received Devin Harris, and the Mavs received Doug McDermott. There were a few different exchanges of second-round picks. The data hadn't all been finalized when I was writing this up, so I didn't even plug it in there. But there were some, some second-round picks that some teams got and others didn't, what have you. Um, but those are the players. Um, what did you think about this trade for your Knicks? Um, I loved it. Uh, I've seen the uh, the few games he's played in, and he's amazing. Him next to um, Frank, I love that pairing. Uh, uh, Jeff kind of has them come off the bench together. Um, what I love about Moutier, especially in New York, the bright lights and stuff on him, he seems to have this amazing court vision that I really didn't see all that much of in Denver. Um, 
he's he, he's a guy that can get you that looks like he can get you ten and ten, ten points, ten assists on a nightly basis. Uh, you know, he can obviously score and he's more aggressive at the rim. Uh something that I've been dying for Frank to at least attempt to try to do or or just shoot better or shoot more. Hell, I <laughs> Even if you're missing them, you can't be any worse than Tim Hardaway is right now. Just shoot. But let's see, you know, because what I don't want him to become is just this guy who's just really good at defense, and that's all. Like, nah, man, I kind of need a little bit more than that, Uh, especially when we have Tim Hardaway on the books for God knows how much longer. And and he's just egregious right now uh, shooting from the field. So I need you to to produce something. I told you when you signed him. Yeah, well, I don't think any of us were necessarily um, glowing. But Joel liked it. The re-signing. No, no, no. It's I a remember good signing just Joel not was for like, that much I, money. I think it's a, no, no, Joel was like, I don't know. I think it's it's all right. It's, it's a good signing. I was like, Joel, dude, yeah, that's no, no, no. It's way too much money. Well, yeah, 16 million, yeah, way too much. I don't, I don't have like a problem with Hardaway half, coming yeah. home. I don't have a problem with him coming home. I just have a problem with him coming home at that amount. Um, that right. is way too much goddamn money. I think, for Tim I think the Hawks. Who, I think you outbid the Hawks by four million a year. Ridiculous. They they could have kept yeah. him. I mean, he has the same mindset Jr. does, to where he's like, oh for thirty, and his idea of getting better isn't necessarily putting more time in. It's just shooting more. So it's like, all right. So this essentially you can go from oh and eight to oh and sixteen. Like, that is just ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I mean, adding Moutier definitely helps a lot. Um, and he's great for the Knicks' future. Uh, honestly, if they got to get rid of Frank and, and, and pick up some, you know, maybe better supporting pieces, I'd be completely fine with knowing that Moutier is our point guard for the future. Okay, I will give you – no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I was about to tell you, um, Nick, there's no way I will allow you to get Frank and possibly still try to get uh, Luca. There's no way. That would be such a great pairing. Oh my God! I they would know. Be That's so why good I would together. never want for it to happen. I'd never want for it. To oh, happen. but why would you want that for me, man? I need something. My dog's lost. Yeah, Nick, my, what would you Nick, say? The, <laughs> Falcons lost. The Atlanta Hawks. Like, come on. The Atlanta Hawks have had so many great stretches of great seasons. The Knicks have had one in like eight years. No, I don't want yeah, to help how you guys many championships, get back to How many good. championships does Atlanta have? One. Uh, and it was the Braves yeah, in 95. Enough. Like, come that's on, bro. Like, that's you. fair enough. Hey, oh, Nick, okay. Knicks that's only have enough. one championship, and they're the biggest market. No, they have two. So you got you to gotta feel bad for Juan over there. I mean, that's the highest market, they have two. highest they have two rate, championships. rate team. So. How they do? Yeah, but they have yeah, two they do, championships yeah. Yeah. back Back when, like, I think uh, and like there was, like, 16. I believe. Or 73. <laughs> yeah. 70 yeah, and 74. No, Phil Jackson was on both teams. That's why Phil I'll Jackson has the most championships. He has 13 because he had 11 as a coach and two as a player. I'll None of the GMs. I wasn't though. alive. I wasn't alive during any of that. So, yeah, no. I, I've seen nothing but dark days since – since becoming like you know, old enough to know what, what basketball you're is. You're also a Patriots fan. Fuck off, bro. <laughs> hey, it's a good guy right there. Yeah, you good got point. you got plenty of chips. Good point. You got plenty. You good man. Good point. I I ain't seen one since <laughs> I was like seven and shit. Like, come on. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, good point. But 
but Luke, what do you think about uh, the Knicks picking up Moody? I think, I mean, I agree with Juwan. I mean, I think it's big. I mean, it really hurts, and I really hate to say this right now, but Kristoff going down, that just really, really, really hurt the Knicks. That puts you back at least three years because you might not see him again this year, maybe not even next year. So now you're in this limbo. Now, like, what are we doing? So now you get to go you full, you get a Moutier that can play. And I think him and Frank would work perfect together. I mean, when Frank came from France, he was never a, a true one. He was a two-guard that doesn't, can't shoot, but he's really good defensively, so he can play those fast point guards and switch off for Moutier, who might not be yeah, good he, as defensively. He was kind of like a G- George Hill who needed to develop his, his jumper. Yeah, so I think, well, I think they fit in. And this helps your youthful thing. Just now, now you go young. So now you get more young players. You get to see what they can do, see if they can match, see but by the time Kristoff comes back, now we got some people that have been playing together and they've made some chemistry. And, you know, Kristoff's a, a superstar, so it would be good. So I think it's good for the Knicks just because after that injury, it just put them in this stage of what now because they were with him not being injured. They had that possibility of now people might want to come back to New York and play with him. Now they're back in this limbo stage of we got to wait for him. So I think it was big getting getting younger and and being able to see what these young kids can do. I, I will sure, say this Juwan, just really retort. quickly. Yeah, I will say this just really quickly. Two things. Um, one, they did say today his timetable is ten months, so it's not nearly as bad as uh, as, as it could have been. Um, also. Um, what you were saying about Frank, like, you know, the the idea of, like, him possibly being, like, George Hill to where he just has to kind of, like, develop it, he's – the my problem isn't that he's taking shots and missing them. My problem is that he's just not taking the shots. So, yeah, right. he, you know, he has potential to be a great defender, but what I also don't want from Frank is to become Tony Allen. Like, I don't want you to just be this great defender. We drafted you Whoa. high as shit. Like, I need you to be more than, than just a guy who plays really good defense. That was one of the right. problems I had with um, Iman Shumpert when he was drafted early. Uh, you know, I was just like, all right, well, you can't only play defense, man. Like, we need you to, to be aggressive, like, offensively. And he turned out that, right. that one year with New York to just be really good offensively. Um, so I just need, you know, my problem isn't like Frank is shooting and it isn't going in. He's just really tentative on, on scoring at all. Like, he'll drive, right. have an open like look said- in the lane and pass it. So that that's what bothers me. Yeah, and he's always, like, honestly, like, shooting wasn't even his biggest um, concern coming into the league, and I would know this because I followed him really closely. Um, (laughs) Because I've been high on the kid. Like, like, Juwan will tell you, Luke, I was high on this kid way before the Knicks even drafted him. Um, Like, I wanted wanted the Hawks to somehow trade Schroeder to, like, move up to get him. Um, like that's how high I was on this kid. Uh, and like he's, he's six, five, he's got a seven foot wings, got everything that you want in your prototypical new age point guard. Um, he passes great. Um, he, his shot wasn't even the thing. Like his, his stroke is good. His mechanics are fantastic. Um, the biggest thing honestly with him is, is, like you said, Juwan, his, his drive to the basket. He, for whatever reason, he doesn't have good finishing touch around the rim. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's it's 
he like a defender gets in his way and his instinct is to pass in. It's like, dude, sometimes you just got to be able to finish. Sometimes you just got to be able to like, like put the ball in the hole and say, you know, screw the defender. I'm going to, I'm just going to make a better play than he's capable of defending. Um, and that's probably like my, my biggest concern, but we also have to remember he's the second youngest player in the league right now. Um, so he's going, yeah, so he's going to develop. You just got to give this kid time. And, and like, honestly, like, I did not think he was going to come in and light up the league. I felt like he was going to be, like, a two-year project, and then in his he's going to be, like, one of those guys that, like, third year, they come out and they just fall. And, I, I, and also, too, the biggest thing is both pairing who you have around him um, and also coaching. Um, I mean, Jawan, I'm sure you'll you'll permit me to say this. Hornacek's coaching methods aren't really best for Frank. Um, and, it, you know, I, I, I know, man, I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily um, the greatest, the greatest pairing in the world, but um, to get back to the topic at hand, I also like the picking up of Moutier is very by low move. Um, you know, he's, he's got potential. He's clearly got potential. Um, you can definitely pair him up with Frank um, because, you know, Frank's just got that ability to, to be versatile enough to play alongside someone who's ball dominant or not play alongside, you know, play alongside like a, 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 a true shooter. He can do so much. Um, and the fact that they, you know, were willing to, to kind of go in and say, you know, Doug McDermott, we don't see him long-term. Um, if, if we have to give up, you know, a, a second-round pick, we'll do it. Um, it, it. You know, you're again, you're buying low on a guy who has a lot of upside who just, for whatever reason, couldn't quite figure it out in Denver. Um, but the one thing that does scare me is I feel like, with Mike Malone, I believe, is the Nuggets coach. Uh, pretty good coach. Um, in fact, I, I think that was the the one coach that uh, um, uh, Boogie Cousins played for in Sacramento that he actually liked and respected. Um, so the fact that he didn't want to keep him and he was willing to give him up for Devin Harris, uh, you know, a guy who's proven, but he's, like, really old, um, a little concerning, um, but nevertheless, you know, when you're buying low, you, you know, you, I mean, it's always a risk, but it's at least less of a risk because you're not having to give up a lot to get him. Um, and you know, if he turns out to be a, a good player, great. If he doesn't, you're not really out that much and you have, the rest of this year and next year to see if you want to sign him to an extension. So like, I, I, I dig it. I think it's a good move. Um, the Nuggets received Devin Harris in this deal. Um, I, I like it. Uh, I mean, Devin Harris, he's, he's solid backup, uh, veteran. Um, definitely some, somebody that could help them like backup Jamal Murray. Um, I don't, I don't think he really improves them that much. Uh, but at least with Devin Harris, you get somebody who's like more consistent, 
uh, he's going to commit less unforced errors, um, and he probably helps you make a playoff run better than Emmanuel Moutier, which I think is really what the Nuggets want this this season, um, especially considering they were you know in the playoff hunt right down to the wire last season and barely missed it. Um, so I you know I think it's a it's a it's a reasonable enough trade for them. Um, Jawan, what do you think about the Nuggets getting Devin Harris? I agree. It's a nice veteran touch. Uh, this team is definitely on the rise, man. I, I'll say this. I never would have thought I'd be looking at the idea of Utah and Nuggets so early on in their, you know, <laughs> their, their, their youthful phase being teams I look at and go, wow, like these guys are ready to make moves like now. Um, so, you know, adding a nice little veteran piece like that as this team definitely tries to, um, you know, do things for the playoffs, you know, it's a nice piece to add on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luke, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. I mean, like you said, Devin Harris is a great veteran backup. He's been around the league. He's been been traded. He he knows situations, so I think he's a better – uh, mentor for Jamal Murray, who they clearly were looking at seeing being the starting point guard. So he's better coming off the bench and helping out Murray than Emmanuel Moody, Moutier and Murray still trying to figure it out, and they're not fully fixed on Moutier. So I think I think it was a good move by Denver. They can definitely make that playoff run, see what it's like with uh with some of their young guys in there and. I think it was it was it was a solid move for them. I mean, just Moutier wasn't going to be the future. They they look like they're turning away from him. And now you show Jamal Murray, hey, we're fully invested in you. We're gonna give you time. Here's Devin Harris who can play a lot of minutes now that we don't have to if you're not having the nights, we can put him out there. He's a vet that knows who can handle some big light situations. So I think I think it was a smart move for Denver and they really didn't give that much up to because they weren't at all committed with Munier. So I think I think it was good for the Nuggets to go ahead and trade trade out Munier and, and get a vet point guard that can help your young up-and-coming point guard learn a little bit more about the league. Yeah, and, I mean, he's he's only signed on for the rest of this year, so you're not – I mean, and he's cheap. So, you know, I mean, you're not uh, putting forth a lot of cap and you free up a little bit of cap next year with Munier off your books. Um, I mean, I think he's probably like three and a half million because he was like the number seven overall pick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense all, pretty much all the way around. And when next season comes, you probably try to sign a backup point guard, maybe Devin Harris again, maybe somebody else at a veteran minimum, um, and, and just try to get somebody who, uh, you know, knows he's going to be the, you know, backup point guard, I mean, and, you know, knows he's going to get, you know, reasonable minutes at that position. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it was a pretty good trade for them. Uh, and the Mavs, uh, they received Doug McDermott. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, they kind of need some depth on the wing. I mean, they have Harrison Barnes and uh, Finney Smith. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't think they have any real threes. You know, Seth, uh, uh, Seth Curry is out for the season. I mean, you got Wesley Johnson, um, but not a lot. You just don't have a. You're very devoid at that that kind of position. So just for someone to fill in um, some minutes, 
Um, they get a second-round pick out of it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's kind of like it's kind of like what I wanted to see the Hawks do. Like, if, if, if <laughs> again, if the Nuggets, I'm sorry, if the Mavericks can turn Devin Harris into an expiring contract and a second-round pick, the Hawks certainly should have been able to do it. But anyway, uh, Juwan, I digress. Uh, what do you think about what the, the Mavs are getting in this situation? Uh, Doug McDermott is, is, is a nice player. I mean, he wasn't what the Knicks were hoping he would be in that trade um, with, you know, for, for Melo. But, I mean, there were games where he was hitting some really clutch shots. I mean, he wasn't horrible. Um, I just <laughs> I'm not going to get too much into it. I just think Jeff is just the, the worst coach for this team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, yep. he can, you know, uh, knock down shots for uh, for the Mavs. They don't really have many um, – clutch game situations, but Doug McDermott, I'm sure when Mavericks kind of figure out what their identity is and what they're going to do with that, that roster going forward, he's, he's a nice piece to have. And Jeff isn't the worst, worst coach for that team. He's the worst coach for any team because Jeff Hornacek's just not a good coach. I will say this, what he did with Phoenix that one year was why I was, you know, was why I was uh, excited for him coming to uh, the Knicks, because that Phoenix team was kind of really young. And I think he got 40-something, maybe 50 – no, not 50 wins, but 40-something No, because they didn't make the playoffs. It was like 40 – maybe 40 and 42 is what they were. Or maybe they were 42 and 40. There was, there was a couple years where Phoenix was above 500 but didn't make the playoffs, and he was the coach right, of one but, of those seasons. The reason I was excited about that was if you told me the Knicks would be 40, 42, and, and, and 40, or whatever you were just saying, that would still make the playoffs yeah. in the East. <laughs> I'd be fine yeah, with that. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I was kind of hoping he could bring that there. You know, I didn't think he was like the, the greatest coach ever, but 42 and 40 could, could definitely get us the playoffs in the East. And that's what I was hoping for, especially for Chris Stops. But. He, he's been, you know, really horrible in late-game situations and stuff like that, substitutions and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. May, you, y'all need to stop taking coaches from Phoenix because that obviously is not working out for you. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul Jack. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Luke, what were your thoughts on uh, the Doug McDermott pickup uh, with the second-round pick for the Mavs? I think the Mavs just were just that lucky team that – happen to be that third team in. I don't think Denver and Knicks could come up with a trade to do their thing. So they're like, we need to find this third team in. I think the Mavs, you know, the Mavs came in and they looked out, you know, they get a second round pick. And I think um, you meant to say Wes Matthews. So now you have some guy that can come yes. in for a wing. Now you get, so now you got someone to back up Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes that can play. Did so I, say West I think Johnson? the Mavs just, yeah, you were with Johnson. But uh, I think you know. It I did that earlier thing. too. Like, <laughs> like three so weeks think, ago, I did that. <laughs> well, Wes Matthews been hurt, so he's not been playing that much since he's been signed to Dallas. So I can understand why not a lot of teams, people remember him since he's left the Trailblazers. But I think the Mavs just just come come in there. This is no hurt, no reward for them. This is just basically, hey, you guys need a third team. We can dish out this vet that we're not going to really do anything with anymore because we're just a really bad team right now and we're in full tank. And, you know, we're going to get this young kid who – poor Doug McDermott, man. He's been 
been trading around a couple of times this year. There's a couple of these players that just can't seem to find a home right now, and McDermott's one of them. But, you know, I think Dallas might give him a little chance, you know, see what he can do. And it's just it's it's whatever for Dallas. I think Mark Cuban and probably the GM were just like, you know, this this doesn't hurt us, nor does it super gain us, but might as well do it because Devin Harris we don't need, and we can help complete this three-team trade and get a second-round pick, which picks these days are – are looking more valuable, so hey, might as well get something out of nothing. So, you know, it was it was just it was content for me, and I think the Mavs, you know, the Mavs will will be just fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's a, a perfect uh, uh, summary of of how it works for them. Uh, yeah, no, I did this last week. Uh, well, not last week, but like three weeks ago, maybe. Uh, Jawan, I'm sure you remember you were like throwing out Wes Matthews as a potential trade target for the Knicks and for whatever reason mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about Wesley Johnson from, from the Clippers and yeah you did same, same damn thing I guess, I guess I'm just like cursed with this Wes Matthews Johnson situation um, but <laughs> before we go into any more of the trade deadline I want to make sure to get this in we got about 30 minutes left uh, Jawan you told me before we let off this show that you, my friend, have a hot take. And I just so happen to also have a future mock trade, uh, off-season mock trade. Of course, you cannot trade anybody right now, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. It's hot takes and mock trades. Jawan, what is your hot take? All right, we need some hot take mock trade uh, theme music. We got to work on that. Um all right, we do, so man. We definitely take, do. We definitely do, man. All right, so my hot take for this week is not only will Donovan Mitchell uh, – well, Donovan Mitchell will lead the Jazz to the seventh seed uh, in the West, and mm, not only okay. will he lock up sole possession, because Joel was fighting me on we might have co-rookie of the year. Not only will he lock up sole possession of rookie of the year, Donovan like Mitchell – will get at least three to four votes in the MVP conversation. Oh, no. Okay. No, that will not happen. <laughs> That's a hot take right um, there. <laughs> listen, listen. That's real listen, hot. The main reason, the main reason I said that was, team. I mean, if you look at, see, look at, hold thing. on, hold on. If you really the break reason, down most valuable player, I see where you're coming from, though. Hear me out. The main reason why I'm saying that. Do you guys remember the season Melo had where the team went to the second round in the playoffs? Yeah. Do you guys remember how great Melo was that year? Yes, I do. Do you you guys remember how many MVP votes he actually got? Uh, No, I don't. He only got one MVP (laughs) vote that year. One. One. And you could Riders say don't his like feet Mellon. was a lot harder. You could say his feet was a lot harder than um, than most of the guys that were in the MVP conversation uh, outside of who actually won it that year. But anyway, the point that I'm making is for Donovan Mitchell to take a Utah Jazz team, a lot of people didn't even think was going to make the playoffs or even be that competitive. You lose Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, you have a few different pieces that come and go. If he can get this team to the seventh seed in the West, 
and, you know, not only, uh, you know, stay at the pace that he's on as far as leading that team, not only will he lock up sole possession of that rookie of the year, I wouldn't find it shocking if a few of these, um, you know, uh, voters give him, and I I didn't say he was going to win it or be in the conversation to necessarily win it, but I don't think it's far-fetched to believe that he would get four votes. Three or four votes is exactly what I said. But, yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I, I, I think if he can lead that Utah Jazz team to seventh seed, which is very doable if you look at the um, the, the playoff standings right now, I, I do think a few of these voters will give him a nod. I love the gumption. I really do. But I, I, I find it so hard to believe that he'll get an MVP vote um, for, for so many reasons. I mean, I could I could honestly see him getting like uh like in maybe like all NBA team votes. Like he he'll get a few yeah, like all NBA team votes. Um but but MVP like as well as James Harden James Harden has been playing and you know LeBron has obviously been in a slump because his team's been in a slump and he's been in this weird situation. He's about to turn it back on like I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm out on that one. <laughs> like, normally your hot takes, I'm like, I could see it, but not this one. I don't see him getting an MVP. Not one. I don't see him getting one MVP. But, um, Luke, what are your thoughts on that? All right, well, uh, I got to agree with that. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to win Rookie of the Year. Now, he's going to secure this over Ben Simmons. He means way more. For that, so I agree. But MVP, you're pushing it. Now, if I had to give you guys a hot take, yeah, here we go. It's going to break all Lakers fans. Lakers are not going to get any top free agent this year. I'm sick of always hearing that they're going to. No one wants to go to Lakers. Paul George is going to stay two years. LeBron's going to stay in Cleveland two years. But they are going to end up trading draft night. They're going to trade Brooklyn's pick and Kevin Love. And they are going to go get some superstar that's going to play with LeBron. And LeBron's going to stay. And they will end up trading those two guys away draft night. That uh, that is interesting. Um, I would say to that, I think he's going to Houston. Um, but if they were to trade the Brooklyn pick and Kevin Love for a superstar, maybe he wouldn't. Um, I I don't know though. Playing with Chris Paul and James Harden. Uh, and Ryan Anderson, um, you know, he's not great, but, I mean, he, he does what LeBron likes. He hits open shots. Um, and uh, Clint Capella, who's just – he's like a young DeAndre Jordan. Um, like, I feel like that would that's just too good to pass up. Just oh, yeah. Too I good mean, don't to pass get me up. wrong. If there's any team that LeBron's going to walk away for, it is Houston – but I think LeBron's at the age where, why does he want this backlash? Like, does he want to say that he's chasing championships? He's already won cha- championship. Now, is he going there because he wants to take down the big bad wolves and beat the Golden State and show that there's another team? I just think that, yeah, he would go to Houston to go play with Chris Paul and that, and that would be a good uh, mix one. But I think, in the end, he's going to stay in Cleveland because he doesn't. That's just being that legacy, just, you know, just stay there. And I think Cleveland will just be like, here is one last show grace to you. Besides maybe be 
giving you ownership later on when you retire. Because I always joke that if they if Cleveland really wants to secure LeBron, somehow they need to work out that you could be partial owner when you leave, um, when you retire. But I think he'll stay with the Cavs and they will trade Kevin Love and that Brooklyn pick come draft night, and it'll be a LeBron fill in the blank and someone else. Or hey, Kevin Love trades and they trade that Brooklyn pick in. So that's that's my hot take on it. If we got to throw out something bold out there. Very interesting. Uh, Juwan, what are your thoughts on that hot take? And furthermore, what are your thoughts that, like, n- nobody got on board with your hot take, man? I'm sorry. Like, normally I'm your guy, but um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm... Well, it was it was two-sided, so I I, I, I got Luke on, on, on part of it. Um, but as far You got as, me as on part of it, hot... too. I mean, I think that... Yeah, I think okay, MVP, so I got you both like, on part of it. Yeah, um, and I, I do not believe... I do not. Shout no, no, no. Joel believes. Joel believes that it'll be split. He believes it'll be no, split. Joel, Joel's stupid. Forget it. We forgot about you, Joel. <laughs> um, no, but as far as Luke, as far as your um, your uh, your hot take, me and Nick actually don't. Not only do we not necessarily think they'll get Paul George or LeBron James next year, we've actually been lobbying that they don't go. Paul George and LeBron James next year. We were actually kind of lobbying, uh, you know, and kind of throwing Boogie around Cousins. the idea of Boogie Cousins and no. Clay Thompson. Those those should be the guys you you, you go after. If, well, if anybody, no, exactly. I mean, not um, even not even Boogie after the injury, but definitely Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson should be the guy that they're aiming for. And honestly, right. here's the thing. Here's here's what I think they should do next year. They have all this cap space. Like there are. So many um, expiring contracts that uh, like teams uh, have on their rosters who are very like teetering on the um, luxury tax. I think that's who they should go get because you could get value out of those players. So, like for for example, um, it, it, here's just here's just a list of expensive. Uh, one-year deals next year. Uh, Dwight Howard, uh, you're probably not going to go get Dwight Howard because, you know. Take him back. He, he was there once. You already ruined you guys <laughs> once. <laughs> hey, whatever. Um, I mean, you need a center next year. Robin Lopez coming off the books. Uh, George Hill, Bro. Wesley Matthews, Damari Carroll, Marcin Gortat, uh, Kenneth Fareed, and Wilson Chandler, both on the Nuggets. They're going to be right on that luxury tax fringe line. So that's some people who you can pick up. Uh, Tyson Chandler, Jared Dudley, Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, Mirza Teletovic. Uh, that is a that could be a really good one because uh, the Bucks are in a very precarious situation because of the Jabari Parker thing. If they re-sign Jabari Parker, they will definitely be in the luxury tax. They will need to get rid of Teletovic, um, Alec Burks, um, and there's a lot of smaller ones: uh, Al Farouk Aminu, Cole Aldridge. Uh, Kyle Singler, Alexia Gentia, they will be in the luxury tax next year if they re-sign DeMarcus Cousins. Um, There's several. But, like, my point is, I think the Lakers should try to acquire assets for taking away expiring contracts from teams who are, you know, need that cap relief. That is what I would do. And then I would turn around and take all of those assets, try to pair them with Dang, and ship them out. That is what I would do, and then clear my books for 2019, 
Uh, now that you don't have Nance on the roster anymore, you have no significant expiring contracts coming up in 2019 that you're going to have to re-sign or have a cap hold on. You go get Clay Thompson. You go get whoever else you can pair with him. Like, that is what I would do if I was the Lakers. Anyway, Jawan, I'm sorry. I interrupted you and completely, like, derailed this conversation. You were saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I definitely agree with you um, on the idea of that. I honestly do think DeMarcus Cousins will come back uh, maybe not as great, but still very dominant. So if you can get DeMarcus Cousins and pair him up, with Clay Thompson, Lonzo Ball, Ingram, and, and Kuzma, that's a dynasty Ooh, right there. A great team um, right there. I'm... But um, as far as what you were saying, Luke, as far as uh, draft night, the only thing that scares me is like Nick was saying, I honestly believe there's nothing that you can do to keep LeBron. Um, he he wants to go, and he should. Uh, he honestly should. He said when he first came back, I'm back to win the city of Cleveland a championship. He has fulfilled that. He now can go somewhere else. And honestly, the, the stigma of, of, uh, of ring chasing, honestly, there are guys that would kill to have just one. So if LeBron, because honestly, if you, if you think about the LeBron and Michael Jordan debate, what is the only thing stopping LeBron from ever being in, you know, at that table with Jordan? They always say Jordan went six for six. He has six rings. Um, so if LeBron could get to six rings, maybe even seven by ring chasing, I think his numbers um, and the fact that the, the possibility of him maybe getting six, maybe, you know, getting one more over him definitely gets him at that seat at that table. So if I'm LeBron, yeah, sure, I'll ring chase. Why not? I'll go to Houston maybe for two years, win two there, then maybe go to Spurs, win two more there. I'll do whatever it takes to get all these rings. Um, I look at LeBron James like Thanos right now. He's looking for all these stones. Uh, he has his gauntlet <laughs> on, and he's looking to win he's all Robert these Ory, uh, infinity gems. Exactly. So if I'm LeBron, he said, ring I'll win with the is, Spurs, a, I'll win with the Rockets, I'll win with uh, the Lakers. I'll win, with, I'll win with everybody. I mean, if I'm LeBron, you yeah. calling me a ring chaser, to me, is a compliment. Uh, because you're telling me the reason I can't be at the table with Jordan is because he has all these rings. So if I can get all of them, why can't I, I now be, uh, you know, either on Mount Rushmore or at least at the table with, with Michael Jordan? So if I'm LeBron, oh, he's already uh, on I do not want to say – oh, absolutely. I agree with you. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that, that have the whole, you know, Jordan went six for six, has six rings or whatever. But um, if yeah. I'm LeBron, I absolutely do not want to stay in Cleveland for anything outside of the fact that maybe my kids and my wife are just really comfortable here and I don't want to have to but they're make not. them move. They prefer to do uh, money. No, no, no. I, I think they're in L.A. I agree I with you. In LA. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm saying his roots there. His roots there. Um, but sure. if I'm LeBron, yeah. I, I'm, I'm out of that door. I'm, I'm out of that door. I'm heading to Houston. I'm there for two years because that's all I think Chris Paul has in him. And then I'm out, and then maybe I go team up with Kawhi. I'm ring chasing if I'm LeBron. That, that's the moral of my story. I'm sorry it took so long. But uh, to your point, uh, if you're Cavs, you make that deal draft night if you can get a star player, but don't do that move thinking that's what will keep LeBron because LeBron's already has one foot out of that door. Hey, do you mind yeah. if I quickly turn this off quickly for a second that we're talking LeBron? So you guys ready sure. for this? Before the what? trade on primetime TV, the Cavs were 0-7 besides the first game. 
after this trade, they've won the last two games against two good teams, the Celtics, and they just beat OKC. LeBron has looked rejuvenated. He goes eight rebounds, eight assists, 37 points, and he had some clutch, clutch plays down the stretch. His kids, mm-hmm. the, the four people he get, they traded for, again, score for a combined 48 points. Man, nice. is this trade paying off for the Cavs right now? Absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, only, those only are good numbers. Is, only bad news is you got those guys in Golden State who aren't even losing, you know, even the slightest ounce of sleep. A monicum of over sleep. Any of yeah. The West is going to be a beatdown for each other. The West, uh, yes, Golden State would be there, but a lot of people don't understand. The West is no cakewalk. LeBron in the East has never lost a first-round playoff game. And they just cakewalk usually into the finals. I mean, Celtics are going to give them in t- and Toronto, but the West they're going to they're going to be beating each other up. You got OKC that's going to try to do something. I think the Rockets will try to push up. I think in the end, Golden State, yeah, they're they're the best team, and they've got all these players, and they're just looking over there like we're still the best. But I think the West is going to just put they're going to damage it, uh, each other just by the West being so stacked. And the East having these cakewalks for a lot of these teams. I'll say this, Luke. Whenever you have a team that's allowing the players to actually coach, I'm going to go ahead and go with the idea of I don't think the Warriors lose more than three games between the playoffs and the finals. Whew. Man. I mean, I agree with you. I think the only other team that's allowed a player coach was the Celtics back when they were winning nine out of ten t- championships and Bill Russell finally took over. <laughs> I think that's the only time. There it is. And that's a dominant team, and that's a really good if you're Golden State and you can be put on that kind of level level of a, a winning championship dynasty team. Then I think I think you're – I mean, Golden State's going to – but I just think they're going to have those tough games going double overtime, you know, playing more minutes than – Cleveland, who might be able to sneak in until the, the Eastern Conference Finals when they have a tough matchup, finally. Yeah, I understand you on that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Maybe. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's let's move on. I uh, we, let's we're gonna do like a speed round thing because we got about three or four trades to try to get to. We probably won't get to all of them, but look, we can try. Um, but before that, uh, my mock trade, off-season trade. John Wall and Marcin Gortat go to the Suns in exchange for Brandon Knight, Dragon Bender, and the Phoenix 2018 first-round pick. Now, here's why I do this. The Wizards get out of the luxury tax and get a very, very nice pick. Wherever Phoenix ends up, it's going to be a solid pick. The Suns get a backcourt of John Wall and Devin Booker, and with Gortat, Chandler, Dudley, and Daniels all coming off the books next season, the Suns can afford Wall's hefty contract because it's going to go up crazy, not next year, but the year after because um, you signed that Supermax deal. Um, and they can afford Booker's max extension. Um, Booker and Wall playing in the backcourt together, like Wall just seems like the kind of guy who would fit so well with Booker. Um, like he he's a pretty good defender. He's a great passer. He could set him up with so many shots. Um, but, and then plus, I mean, you got Josh Jackson, you got TJ Warren uh, as kind of your six man type. 
uh, for the future anyway. You still got Marquise Chris, uh, and then you know you got to figure out your center long term because as for next the you know what next season would be, you would have Gortat and uh, Tyson Chandler. Um, maybe you could re-sign Alex Lynn. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different avenues you could go as far as your center. Um, it's the least important position on the floor um, in today's NBA anyway. Um, but anyway, what do you guys think about that trade? Jawan, I'm going to go to you first. Um, I like it uh, for all the reasons that <clears throat> you described. I just – I don't think – Washington will do it. I think they should because, like, like I said, I, I like how you set it up. I just don't think they'll they'll do it. I think John Wall is one of those Homer guys that they're 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 gonna ride out, uh, it, it, you know, until they feel as though maybe he doesn't have any more uh, to give for that team. Uh, I could see Bradley Beal being the one that goes over John Wall, and I still believe. I, I don't Ooh, know that would be as, such a mistake. No, but I'm saying I could see them. I could see them making. No, that I agree. Is what I'm I, saying. I, well, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, think they would want to move Otto Porter. I just don't think there's any buyers in that market. Nah, there's no buyers in that market. There shouldn't have been. Washington shouldn't have been a buyer in that market. Um, but I will say, <laughs> yeah, they should have let Phoenix, as, or they should have let Brooklyn have him. <laughs> exactly. I don't really know as far as their numbers on the books, but I do think they they want to use Wall to maybe try to work. Uh, a way to try to get Demarcus Cousins in there, but I, I, I don't uh, see not any scenario. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I, I, I don't they're know. They're five books, million but, um, over the luxury tax as a speak. Could they sign and trade? No, because you can't sign and trade if you're over the luxury tax. Oh, and that auto porter is what's holding them back. But yeah, anyway, I, I see John. The Wall only way it could a, have been pulled um, off is if he had a team option and he opted into the team option like Chris Paul did, like LeBron James is going to do to go to Houston. Yeah, but I he, but he this, doesn't. I see John. I see John Wall being a Damian Lillard situation. To uh, if, if Portland were to trade anybody, I, I think it would be uh, CJ, um, and Dame is just one of those Homer guys. I, I see the, he might leave on his own, but I don't see him being traded. Here's the reason I think it's different for for them for Portland and and um in the Wizards. John Wall just signed that Supermax. His contract goes up to like thirty seven million dollars the next the year after next. Like next year he's nineteen. Then he's like thirty seven. I think the final year of his contract he's like forty three or some shit like that. Like obscene amounts of money. Um like you better pray to God that that gambling shit goes through because if it doesn't, like, your luxury tax is going to be obscene just to get ousted in the first or second round of the playoffs if you're the Wizards. Um, but, see, this thing, because the because the Suns have so much use and cap flexibility, they could afford to take on a guy like John Wall. Um, and, in fact, I honestly think in this deal – the Suns might be giving up a little too much because Jargon Bender is still uh, he he hasn't um, he hasn't been like number four overall pick worthy, but you know he's kind of one of those players like Nilakina who who just I feel like still has a lot of time to develop. It's that third or fourth year for some of these guys who just it, it hits. 
Um, and then, you know, Phoenix's first round pick is, I think it's slotted at three right now. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think trading John Wall might actually be a priority uh, for the Wizards, um, especially because they've played so well without John Wall uh, through spells, various spells throughout the season. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, again, to me, the biggest thing is all that money. You're not paying Damian Lillard that much more money than C.J. McCollum. You're paying John Wall a shit ton more money than you're paying Bradley Beal. So I think that could be kind of the deciding factor, especially because you're a luxury tax team who's not making it out of the second round of the playoffs if you even make it there. Um, But, Luke, what are your thoughts on that trade idea? Man, at first I was going to come in and agree with Juwan, but more I hear about it, that is a really good trade, actually, for both Phoenix and, like you said, John Wall. I mean, John Wall right now, he's in it for 18, 19, then it shoots to 37, 40, 43. So you got crazy numbers. So I think him going to a young team, Phoenix, that can take that money, playing with the Devin Booker, now you have a defensive wall who can make up for defense efficiency. So I actually, at first, I was really not digging it. And then the more you talk about it, um, I agree. Now, you said that Phoenix might be giving up a little bit too much, but I think they probably would have to give up just a little bit more because Wall does have that John Wall flair. He is, he can be, if he wants, he's a top-level player. He's probably one of the best blocking, stealing point guards. He, he's always high up in the assist, so you might have to give it, even though that contract just goes to crazy numbers, but Phoenix is nowhere to be hurt by money anytime soon, so I actually think that would be a good trade because, like you said, they are playing better without him. And you obviously want to choose, is it Beal or is it Wall? Now you're going to go fully committed to Beal and get this other point guard. So, actually, I, I dig the trade. I actually think it's a pretty good trade. And I think Phoenix would probably do it in a heartbeat. Only one would be Washington because, like Juwan said, I think he's the homer. And I think Washington is going to play the, the fool's joke on him and, like Blake Griffin and tell him that he could be the greatest Washington wizard ever and then trade him. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like they signed him to that huge contract. Why not just go ahead and trade him? Like, just like the Clippers did to Blake, you just be a year later. Um, But you know, I don't know. And I actually do see, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually do see Phoenix a lot like um, uh, Detroit in this situation. Like you can't attract big name free agents John Wall is the kind of player that you can only get via trade. You're in the position to trade for him because of all of the circumstances that we've just gone over. Um, and he he would fit so well with that team. Um, like he I mean, he really would. Like it's, it's your biggest need is a point guard, um, and he's one of probably top five best point guards in the league. So yeah, I mean I I, I think it works out great. Um, but anyway, let's let's. Uh, we got about four and a half minutes, so let's talk real quick. Alfred Payton to the Suns. Does Alfred Payton really help the Suns, Juwan? Um, Well, I mean, he's been playing pretty good. I mean, you know, as far as facilitating and, and, and somewhat rebounding for a guy of his you know, of his position and size. I mean, he's not going to necessarily hurt him. Uh, I'll say that. He can contribute. 
He can. And, I mean, he does have what it takes to kind of be, you know, the point guard that they need. He's not a scorer, but, I mean, that's what you have Booker for. So. Damn. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts, Luke? Um, I'm a no and yes on this one. I just think um, in the end it doesn't hurt the Suns drastically, but it also can pay off dividends because they're just they're nowhere of a team right now. They have nothing for point guard. So Alfred Payton was at one point in time a high lottery draft pick, a highly thoughted player that might have potential. So I think in the end it it's just it not doesn't really move the bar for the Phoenix Suns, but it's just a low cost, could be high reward, or if it is nothing, then it wasn't like, well, we just mortgaged the future for Alfred Payton. So it's just one of those ones that I think, you know, hey, why not go for it? We had nothing at the point guard position as of right now, and the guy who's starting for us right now is a smaller than Isaiah Thomas. So might as well just try to get Alfred Payton out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with it in that sense, like, you're you're giving up like the number forty ish overall uh, pick in the second round, you know? Like, eh, why not? Like Elf Payton for the number forty pick, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances on that. It's very similar to the to the Moody trade. Like, why not? You know, like the guy's been underperforming where he is. Why not take a flyer? We'll take a chance. Celtics don't move Marcus Smart despite many reports indicating that they would. Jawan, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, say that one more time. I'm sorry. Uh, Marcus Smart wasn't moved from Boston, despite many reports that uh, indicated that he would be. Um, yeah, no, I, I do believe uh, whatever small issues that, that kind of arose between Boston and, and Marcus Smart with his whole injury and everything, I think they kind of smoothed it out. I, I think uh, Marcus Smart isn't someone that they're going to re-sign, but I do think they're going to use uh, use him out uh, you know, for the playoffs and everything, try to make a push with them, and then just let them test free agency. See, I think they totally should let him test free agency, and then when he, if he doesn't get any suitors, which honestly he shouldn't, because there should be plenty of teams like look at all these Celtics who didn't work out in systems: uh, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, like. Like Marcus Smart has that written over him in spades, even more than all those other guys. He's only effective in this system. I think they should totally re-sign him, but at a very reasonable contract. Luke, what are your thoughts? Um, I love it. I mean, I'm a I'm a big I'm I'm a Celtics fan, so I like it that you know he was having those little issues with the team with punching and he needs to get his head but he does mean a lot more for the Celtics he is a systematic player but i think he fits the system perfect he is their defensive yeah. bulldog he can play any position for them i mean if you guys remember nick i mean you got to probably remember this last time the hawks were in the playoffs millsap was yeah. lighting up the Celtics no one could stop millsap no not even the big men you know who could put out there marcus smart gets marcus the smart and shut him down for the rest of yep. the next couple of games he played. So Marcus means a lot to the Celtics team. Yeah, they needed scoring, but they weren't going to trade him to go get someone scoring. So I think it helps them defensively. And I agree, let him test the waters. So all these restricted free agents are going to have very hard time trying to get any money. And I think he comes back. Celtics are very known for getting good team-friendly deals. They've been did it. They let – they let other players go, like Evan Turner, and they go get these big money. 
and they don't work out. So I agree that a lot of teams might be like not wanting to use. So I think he might come back for a, like almost like a sure. dark cloud or like a three three Absolutely. years at eight million. Absolutely. Join us again next week, same time, same channel, nine o'clock. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>